Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right. We are officially going to start the world's greatest service. Uh, welcome to everyone who's watching online. Uh, a couple 13, 14,000. Oh, I got to turn the music off. Um, to those who are here, thank you for coming. I have to, I get to use a microphone because I love the sound of my own voice and it's the only way we can actually project to the, the camera. So we, to those who showed up, you did it. Believe in your dreams. You can do hard things. We should have canceled like an hour ago. So thank you for coming. Do you guys live in Duluth? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. So um, if you're watching and you're hoping to get down here, just stay home. It's going to be okay. We have more people walking in. Wow, we have, we have a brave church. I like it. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Hey, hello. Um, I got good news and bad news, Peter, and they're both the same. Uh, the person, Steve, who's supposed to do worship, um, their flight got canceled yesterday. So we have, you get me and only me today. You're welcome, Kayla. I know. <laughs> you want, do you want to sing? You can, he, <laughs> um, so we're not going to do a, we're not going to do a five minute break. Uh, we're going to do announcements, your favorite part of church, Cody. And then uh, I have a, 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 a real, it's actually slapped myself in the back. It's a really good message. Uh, um, but the announcements, uh, first is we have officially have enough people who are making chili for a chili cook-off. Um, my dad just t- texted me last night, right? You're going to make a chili? That's what I just said. You are making chili? You are? Okay, and my dad does not like uh, spice. So we're going to have five really spicy chilies, and then we're going to have my dad's. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. So the chili is on um, April 23rd at 4 p.m. at, at uh, Westminster, our building that we are excited about moving in. And we have April 30th, we are doing our welcome. Come on in, guys. Um, on April 30th, we're having our final service here, and we're going to have a celebration. And as we're preparing for um, cleaning up the building, uh, Nikki, my partner, uh, found this. Does anyone remember th- this from the early days of being in this building? Yeah, yeah. The ceiling leaked um, immensely, and so we had to put it out there unless there had been a pool of water. And then Bree, who is our graphic designer, um, got the brilliant idea of putting this on there. I'm like, we just have a bucket in the middle of our room are we a real church? And she goes, yeah, we are. Holy water. So April 30th, you're going to get a whole lot of stuff like this. It's going to be uh, wonderful. And then if you are so inclined um, and you want to help pack up and move the church into our new building, April 30th, after the service, after celebration, we're going to be uh, moving everything in. We have a huge trailer. We still have a trailer, right? We have a huge trailer. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, I can confirm. Um, and then we're moving everything over, everything over to our new space in Duluth, and we're going to have a meal, and it's going to be a really good time. And also, we're looking for people who are handy. Cody, are you handy? No, you're not. <laughs> uh, we're looking for some people who uh, can help build. We have to build uh, a stage. We have to build a couple things. Peter, are you handy? You're handy enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. That guy, is he handy? Handy enough, right, yeah. So if you want to um, help move and you get some extra time throughout uh, the first week of May, 
Um, we're looking for a couple, uh, a couple people to help us uh, build some things. But May 14th, Mother's Day, and also my mom's birthday, because she's informed me several times that it's her birthday, uh, is our grand opening, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're watching online, May 14th, 10 a.m., we're going to um, uh, break in our, um, our brand new building and our first service. And then... Um, Outside of that, if you'd, if you'd like to give, you find inspiration in this place, if you're watching online and you want to support the work that we're doing, you can give online at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Uh, uh, don't worry, the announcements aren't over yet. You haven't missed it. You, you can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, if, but if you'd like to give, you can give online at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Uh, so like I said uh, earlier, we have no music because our worship uh, leader, um, flight got canceled, and so they couldn't get here. So we're just going to go right into it, and then we can hang out as long as we want. So um, today's talk is inspired um, by thinking about, uh, A, my kid's going to graduate. He's a junior. He's going to graduate next year, but we're already getting, um, what do you call that, grad photos, right? Did, did you guys, that's like a normal thing. Everyone gets, you just do it, right? Um and so I was thinking about grad photos, and uh, like maybe you have like a friend, a friend's kid, or your kid, or a niece or nephew that's like, hey, let me see your grad photo, and you pull it out, you're like, oh, I remember, that was a really good time, and I thought about mine, and I have a grad photo of me, you need to do the grad photo like you're laying down, like you would never do this in a picture normally, but you lay down like, this is a normal thing, we do this in high school all the time, just lay down with the arm out, and I'm holding something. Now what do you think, what do you think I'm holding? Just, t- you know me. Teddy bear. Teddy bear, no. Bible. A Bible is right. <laughs> you don't know me, right? And, like, I thought, this is a really good idea. I want in, the, in my, what do you call that, um, grad book, or what do you call that, uh, yearbook, I want to picture me holding the Bible. And I'm still a fan of the Bible, right? But, like, not to the point where I want to <laughs> have it captured for all time in the grad book. Um, and my brother, uh, who's three years younger than me, his grad photo is him wrapped in the Irish flag with a potato that's on fire, right? <laughs> We're very similar people, but very express ourselves very differently, right? So you can look back at your time, right, and think, like, why did I do that, right? You can look back when you're high school or college, like, an earlier version of yourself, and like, wh- wh- why did I do Like, for me, I went... Um, for 10 years of my life, all I wore for pants, I wore more than just pants, all I wore was corduroys. Do you remember that, Mom? Like, I went through a corduroy phase, like, not even a phase, a decade of just corduroys, right? Why? I have no idea why, right? Um, in high school, I had an afro, and this was like before, it was like after, it was like 15 years later when it still wasn't cool, but still like 10 years before it was going to be cool again, I had an afro, and I loved it. But um, I was in this thing called um, Beyond Words, which is a mime ministry. Yeah, let that sink in. Right? I was a mime. And I'd go, of course they did, right? You know this story, right? And I would, I'd go all around, like we'd go to Wisconsin, we did tours where we had mimed for the Lord, right? We would like put on a song, we'd mime it out, and there was always usually some kids smoking, or, like, and then the devil would take them down in the hell, like, you can't smoke. And, um, but I never got to play Jesus. I never got to be Jesus. You know why? And the mime leader lives two blocks down. I'm thinking, 
Let's all go over there, right? And let's organize and let's protest the fact that I couldn't be Jesus because I had an afro, right? And it took me until this week, getting ready for this message, like, because she said, Jesus didn't have an afro, so you can't be Jesus. And it, honestly, it's, this week was the first time, like, Jesus wasn't white either. Jesus wasn't a mime either, right? So, like, my hair is the least of concerns of why I can't be Jesus. Um, and I'm still clearly bitter about that. And, but then my, um, but I didn't cut my hair because I always got to be the devil, right? And so if you want to be Jesus, the devil, in mime, the devil's way cooler. In mime, in mime. Um, and then I got, I got to play varsity basketball, and my coach said, Mike Devney said, um, you, you can't, you, you, don't, you don't get a varsity jersey if you have an afro. And I tried for like a week, and I tried organizing, and then I cut my hair, right? So I wouldn't do it for Jesus, for mime, but I did it for Mike Devney. And so, uh, so maybe when you think of like, your yourself and your previous self in high school and college, maybe you look back and you laugh, or maybe you look back and you're like, Ugh, I can't believe I did that. I'd say, let's have some, like, let's, let's own it. Let's reclaim it, right? Unless you graduated in the 80s, then there's a lot of shame because that was a rough decade. And so there's all the judgment. That was a joke, all right? <laughs> so, so not, right? But, like, I graduated in 99. Like, we had Jerbo jeans. You guys remember that? And we'd pin them tight so that they'd, they'd flare out. Like, that was cool. Like, we got to own that, all right? Maybe even revisit it and bring it back. Someone else could be back and like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Um, but we can look back and see maybe kindness, maybe own a part of who we are. And we can laugh about that. But then there's things maybe you look back in previous self and you don't, like, say it out loud. You don't joke about it. Maybe you look back and you think, why did I stay in that friendship as long as I did? Why did I stay in that place? Why did I stay in that marriage? Why did I stay in that belief system? Why did I say those things? Why did I do those things? Why didn't I say those things? Like for me, I can do this often. I was, um, I was at a church and I spoke in front of um, a couple thousand people and I made a statement that I didn't really believe, but it was what was expected of me to say. And I remember saying it and I felt something inside me just kind of like, because I am one of my values is being authentic and being honest. In that space, in that time, I felt like I couldn't be because I would lose my job. And I've, I go back to that time, and I think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I compromise? And I'm like, well, maybe I'll contact the institution and have them, like, because you can, if you really want to go find it, you could find it, um, and you could listen to it <laughs> if you want to hear more of me. Um, and I've thought about, maybe I should contact them and, like, have them delete it. You know, can I own my own content? And then, and then I'm like, you know what? That was a former version of me. That was actually like a couple Chris's ago. Like, that was like seven Chris's ago. And this whole idea of like several Chris's ago came up um, from this podcast I was listening to, but by a guy named Rob Bell. And he calls his podcast the Robcast because he has no creativity, clearly. But, um, um, and Rob Bell was... Uh, he doesn't know I exist. He was a, a, a mentor of mine. He helped shape a lot of, um, especially when I was kind of reorganizing how I thought. Rob Bell was very influential. But I stopped listening and reading Rob Bell uh, a little while ago, mainly because, um, imagine this, as a middle-aged white man, I found a lot of inspiration by another middle-aged white man, right? And everything's saying, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I feel that. And so uh, I stopped 
um, taking in his content so I could listen to um, uh, females, queer theologians, womanist and feminist theologians, people of color, um, and it's been so good to center other, other voices. But I went for um, a run because I'm an athlete, Sarah, and I was running, and I happened to, <laughs> I happened to um, see that I checked his podcast, and it was called 11 Versions of Yourself. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. Because when, when I look back at my life, I mean, when you reminisce on your life, I, I often bring shame to it. I often judge myself very, very harshly. And he has this um, phrase that I've always loved. He calls it transcend and include. And when I hear that, I think of I need to evolve, I need to transcend, I need to grow, and I need to include other ways of thinking, other belief systems, other people. People are different from me. Like, everything is included. And in this podcast, he said, you have to transcend and include yourself, which I stopped running, I paused it, and I cried, and I thought, I often exclude myself because I think of why did I stay in that job so long? Why did I hold that belief? Why did I hold that political ideology for as long as I did, right? And the truth is, like, if we, if we sat down and we talked about why the things you did and why the things I did, we could probably come up with answers, right? Like, why did I hold on to that belief for as long as I did? Because it was the only thing that was handed to me, right? There was no other people offering any other ways of thinking. Why did I stay in that job so long? It's because I had kids to feed, right? And I was celebrated for the things I was thinking and saying and doing. Why did you stay in that friendship so long? Because we had a history together, right? Like, there, there's actual reasons why we did what we did. Instead of meeting with shame and um, judgment, we can, like, meet it with kindness. One exercise that um, I did with my therapist, which, again, I, I said this before, huge fan of professional help, right? Big fan. Um, but I pay someone to watch me cry for about 45 minutes. <laughs> Anyone else? Right? It's, yeah, it's, it's like, hey, can I pay you a couple hundred dollars to watch me just cry and use all your Kleenex? <laughs> it's like 50 bucks a Kleenex. Um, uh, where am I going with this? Oh, yeah, my therapist. And one thing, uh, and actually my therapist, we um, ended up doing therapy by accident. Uh, they contacted me during the pandemic soon after we left the vineyard and said, hey, do you know anyone who um, is going through, like, spiritual trauma or spiritual abuse? And I thought they were contacting me about my spiritual trauma and abuse. And I said, yeah, I would love to meet. And later on, he's like, they, they said, actually, I was thinking maybe you'd know, like, people, not just you. <laughs> so it was, I'm like, I have a lot of trauma. I'd love to talk about it. Um, and one of the exercises, and, and my therapist, if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, Joshua Herbert um, is my, th he's the one who, they're the one who came and spoke. Um, so when they were talking about spiritual trauma, I was back there kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, I remember crying about that. I remember crying about that. Um, but one exercise that they had me do that I still do to this day is um, I'll take a chair like right here and I, I project, I think that 30-year-old Chris is sitting right there. I'm not going to cry. And, and he'd say, what, what do you want to say to 30-year-old Chris? Because in my head, 30-year-old Chris is um, compromising. 30-year-old Chris is not as full of self. 30-year-old Chris is making mistakes left and right. 30-year-old Chris is a bad dad, blah, 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 all these narratives that I go th through my head. And to, to sit and look at a chair and pretend that it's me, what would you say to 30-year-old Chris? And 30, or even 20, when I started ministry, 22-year-old Chris, right? 
And I, it was so powerful because I, had, I got to change the narrative of who I was, right? And what I told 23-year-old Chris, crying the whole time, was you're a really good person, and you're, you, are, you are trying to change the world. You really believe you can change the world, and you, you're going to, but maybe in a way that's different. And stop wearing corduroys. That's what I would have told myself. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Kill the corduroy face. <laughs> oh, man, it's so funny. And so the reason that I'm, I'm bringing this up is because last week for Easter, we read John chapter 20, and today we're going to go through John chapter 21, which is all about a couple Peters ago, a couple Chris's ago, a couple of you ago, and how we need to continually include and in how you belong. So in John chapter 21, it starts off with Peter and a couple of his buddies, and they're fishing. And they're fishing because this is what they used to do. This is who they were. And when you, like, you feel like you're going to take a risk financially or with this new job or this new fashion or this new energy, this new idea, and you put it out in the universe, you put it out in the world, and you're like, I'm going to change the world. And then, like, three weeks later, you're broke and tired, and you're like, I'm moving back in with my parents. (laughs) Right? And why do you do that? Because that's what you know. And you just fall back on who you once were, who you once knew, what's familiar, and you just go back to it. And this is what Peter did. Peter took a huge risk in following this guy, Jesus, right? And Jesus did these amazing things. And over uh, several years, Peter got to be a front row seat to this transformation of this divine love. And then within a couple days, everything's gone, right? Peter watches Jesus get brutally murdered and has like a couple chances to be pardoned, has a couple chances to like, kind of like skirt out of it, and Jesus continually says, that's who you say I am, that's what I'm going to do, right? And so overnight, Peter has to go back to what he knew. He's in hiding because he's afraid of getting killed, right? And so he just goes back to fishing because that was who he was. It's all he knew. And you can imagine that Peter had some level of guilt and shame because, like, if you read through the narrative of uh, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, uh, Judas comes up and um, kisses Jesus in the cheek and betrays Christ. And Peter, seeing the guards are going to come and grab him, he does what? He steals a sword and he cuts off a dude's ear. And why? Because he's probably waiting for Jesus to flip the switch. Like, they really did believe that Jesus was going to change the world, but they thought they were going to change the world by overthrowing the Roman Empire. And how do you throw the Roman, overthrow the Roman Empire? Not in a peace rally. <laughs> Not in a nonviolent way. They really believed that Jesus was going to overhaul using force. Maybe through this, he could heal, raise the dead. Maybe he could, like, unraise the living. I, I can't think of a good joke on that one, right? Imagine he was going to try um, using his force to change the world. And so Peter says, I'll activate it. Maybe Jesus needs a little push on the old bike. Maybe Jesus needs a little kick in the butt. And what does Jesus do? He heals the guy's ear that Peter cut off, right? And Peter, with an obvious part of the shame, is Jesus says, I'm going to build on you, Peter. I'm going to build this church. And then Jesus says, and, you know, people are going to deny me. They're going to pretend like they didn't know me. And Peter goes in this whole dramatic, oh, no, God, Jesus, not me, and never, right? And what ends up happening? Peter fills that narrative three times. So he's in grief. He's in shock. I imagine, it's not hard to imagine that he's full of shame and resentment, right? Maybe even anger. 
So he just goes back to what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, someone on the shore says, hey, looks like you're not catching any fish. Why don't you throw your nets on the other side? Which, spoiler alert, it's Jesus, right? And in John 21, it says that they knew right away who it was, the people in the boat, but they didn't want to make eye contact. They didn't want to say who it was. And it's interesting, because this is the very same um, initiation or conversations. It's the very same phrase that Jesus had several years ago when he first met Peter. It's the same exact scenario, which I love, because John is trying to tell a story, and in the story, he's going back to Jesus knew who Peter has always been, right? And some, Peter needed someone to believe in him. Peter needed someone to say, I'm going to make you a fisherman of men, right? And that was a couple Peters ago. And Jesus believed in him then. And now Jesus, in resurrected body, and it's in, a, a, it's in the morning, there's this new sun, and on the shore, Jesus says the very same thing, but to a different Peter. And I love that. Because what does Peter do? Do you guys remember the story? What Peter does is everyone's trying to not make eye contact with Jesus. Like, is he really there? Is he looking at us, right? And Peter instantly throws off his clothes. And he jumps in the water. And the reason I love this part, again, John, the, the, the things that John decides to tell all have a meaning. Peter jumps in this water. There's this urgency. There's this activation. There is this, there's this energy. There's this strength. There is this fierceness in this movement. And why? Like, have you ever been in love? Right? Have you ever, like, loved an animal that you thought you lost? And you see that, you see that puppy, you see that dog? Or someone, like, you, maybe I, there was one time that we were convinced that our son got kidnapped. Oh, my gosh, it was horrible, right? It was the worst 15 minutes of our life in Canal Park. And, um, is, and is it, you ever, like, lost your kid for a little bit? Right? The, the, the place your brain goes to, it's not funny, but now, uh, spoiler alert, we found him, all right? So he's here, he's alive. Um, but I instantly went to, like, Thanksgiving table. In that 15 minutes, I'm like, we're going to have an empty chair at our table for Thanksgiving at home, right? And it was, it was Max. And how, when I saw him, and he just went on his own little, he was on his little push bike, and he came around the corner, and like, he had no idea. We're all crying. Police are, like, circling Canal Park. And he's just like, hey, Dad, right? And when you see someone that you love and you hear their voice, it totally changes everything because that's what love does. And here, Peter can hear the voice of divine love. And what do you do when you see love? You move towards it. And of all the things, Christ in a resurrected body, in, in, a, in resurrection all around, this newness of all things, what does the Christ, the Messiah, God incarnate, what does God, Jesus do? Makes breakfast, which I love. Again, of all the things John could write, he left in, and Jesus made breakfast. Why? Because this is what love does. It gives. It moves, and it gives. And Jesus has this way of, um, of what his, quote-unquote, ministry, what the kingdom of God is, is about meeting the practical needs of people in very practical ways. And Jesus is probably like, I imagine these guys are going to be pretty hungry. All right. That's my Jesus voice. And so he, that, that's what he does. And then they go for a walk, and they have this conversation, and Jesus says three times, again, uh, Peter, feed my sheep, right? He says it three times. And if you read it, and you can kind of like in between the lines, you can kind of feel like Peter's saying like, 
yeah, of course, Jesus. Yeah, of, of course I'm going to feed the sheep. Come on, man. And at the end of it, like he has to stop Jesus. Jesus, you know I love you. And it's in these statements three times, Jesus saying, feed my sheep, which of course is metaphorical, right? Of like you're going to feed the people. But in the same way, he's offering Peter saying, what kind of, what does love look like? It looks like meeting the practical needs of people. Feed my sheep. Why? Because this is what Jesus just did. This is the, the ministry of Jesus was table to table, party to party, right? Let's transcend and let's include. And the thing I love about this is that Jesus is also aware of what Peter did and what Peter didn't do. And you can, you can kind of sense that Peter's like, trying to say, yeah, of course I'm going to do the Jesus. I'm going to feed the sheep. But you can probably understand that Peter's probably conflicted as well of all the things that he did. But Jesus says, reminds them of who he's always been. Of course you're going to do that. I asked you to build my church, build this church. It's going to be on your back, right? On this rock, I'm going to build this church. I believed in you then, and I believed in you now, which is the perfect Christ narrative because that's what he did to Mary in the garden one chapter before. It's what he did with doubting Thomas. Thomas's questions weren't a threat to who Jesus was and what divine love is. And here again, a complicated, probably guilt-ridden man <laughs> who lied and hid and fled Jesus says, but we're still good. Why? Because that was a couple versions ago. That was a couple years ago. It wasn't a threat then. It's not a threat now. So as we live this beautiful spring day, it was just, it was just 80 degrees, right? Anyways, I'm not getting on that. Um, <laughs> that's going to get depressing quick. As you go throughout this day, I, I would encourage you to be conscious, be aware of who you were. And go to the places that maybe you avoid. Go to those places where you, you, you try excluding yourself. You try tampering that self. You try like silencing, pushing down that part of you because you did that thing or you said that thing or you didn't say that thing. And I pray that you meet yourself with kindness because who you are is strong. Who you are is beautiful. And who you are is good. And who you are belongs. And that includes every version of you. And God is a huge fan of the fullness of who you are. So I'm going to pray, and I would love to have you join me, if you'd like. So God, we love you. And I thank you that, I thank you that as we transcend and we include, we can do that because we have always been included by you. And regardless of the phase or the afro or the corduroys or what I said on a stage or what I didn't say to that person or the things that we did or we didn't do, we're still included. And thank you for that gift, that gift of belonging. And I pray that today and this week and this season, as there is a new week, a new day, of a new sun, of resurrection all around us, the newness of all things, that we can meet every version of ourselves with kindness. And that we can extend that belonging to every version of the people around us as well. Where we feel betrayed, or we feel disappointment, or we feel grief, or we feel love, or we feel excited, that we can include every version of ourselves, we include the version of the people around us as well. So God, use us to do good and beautiful things. And we love you. Amen. All right.
Well, thank you, friends, for being in this space with me. Um, again, if you want to process, you would like to pray, or you have questions, I'd love, I'm going to be here for a while. All right, have a good rest of the weekend.